Hey, Rachel. Hey, Brian. So how was your week? I mean, horrible. Yeah, well, like, mine was wor- the worse. worst. No, 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 no. I know it's not a competition, but <laughs> I will tell you that I began my day at 3 a.m. being peed on. 3 a.m. <laughs> what, what, what were you doing out at 3 a.m.? And who was peeing on it you? Was like not a Russian like a prostitute? Russian prostitute. It was not was a it sex thing. It was um, my four-year-old son oh, AJ. who crawled into our bed because Josh is away okay. this week and uh, he had an accident. And so then we were up and then I realized I was sick and I caught his cold just in time for us to go to our Basel. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> okay, guess what? It's not a competition, but you win. <laughs> Thank this you. This is This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. My name is No. My sign is No. My number is No. You need to let it go. You need to let it go. Need to let it go. Okay, Rachel, uh, you have something important to say about this podcast. Yeah, so I, I just feel like this time of year is... Brought to you by body shaming, self-loathing, <laughs> relapsing, and recidivism. And I think we all need to protect ourselves. And in self-care. We need self-care. a little bit of self-care. Um, Huga. Huga. In the spirit of <laughs> radical self-care, we have instituted a new policy here at This Week in Nope. We are doing a no-Trump December. It's like Movember. Yes, except no <laughs> and a lot, of, a lot of people in January, after indul- overindulging for the new year, they abstain from alcohol in January. They do a cleanse. Yes. This is our Trump cleanse for the holidays. We want everybody to have a nice holiday. This is a safe space. <laughs> and honestly, you get enough of him. We get enough of him. Turn on the TV, talk to anybody, walk out in public, you hear about him. We have enough to be outraged about without Without that him. Man, that it's orange that monster. vile monster, yes. Okay. okay. So let's start right now and start talking about the fact that we're not talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a very different topic. Okay, I, good. Bring I, I it on. I'm to bring this right back to my family. So I had a lovely Thanksgiving. How was yours? It was good. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah it's... it's been a little while now. It feels like forever. But it, the pleasant memories of the food and family linger in my mind. And as is often the case, um, my family doesn't really fight, which is lovely. Um, but we do have sometimes peculiar little interactions. And um, we both have uh, parents that are in their 70s, right? And yeah, well, my dad is, yeah. Your dad is? Okay. Yeah. You have a young, youthful... My mom would youthful. be like, <laughs> excuse <laughs> <Okay>. me. <laughs> and um, actually, my dad is pretty good with technology. He has an iPhone. He has his iPad. Like, he's on the Facebook and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. It's good. But he still gets a little confused about things sometimes. And then when Doug and I come for a celebration, it's always the opportunity. He comes with, like, a punch list. So, like, here's what I need to do. My Google Photos isn't syncing with my my iPhone. Oh, yeah. Whatever. Well, because Doug is, like, super techie. He is yeah. super techie. But I can do some and of those things, And you can do stuff, too. too yeah. Exactly. So, but this was very dire. Uh, after dinner, he said, I have a big issue for you. My Wi-Fi isn't working on my iPad. And that to him, that's like his IV not working. Like he's, he's, This is his like lifeline to the world, right. his iPad. So Doug looks at it for 30 seconds. And he says, have you changed anything recently about it? Like when did this happen? Like a doctor. He's like the, diagnosing the, the problem. Right, yeah. It's like scientific method. When did this start? Whatever, a week ago. Did you do anything? He's like, well, I did put in this VPN like a virtual private network, which is like a highly encrypted thing to make sure you're not getting like spied on by WikiLeaks. Right. You know, <laughs> advisable. <laughs> and Doug is like, um, 
Should we undo that? Do you think that could be it? And my dad's like, no, no, that's not it. I'm sure that's not it. Now, here's the thing about my dad. He says no to everything (laughs) three times and then before he says yes. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter. Would you like a bar of gold? No. He's the godfather of no. But it's gold. No. (laughs) No. Right? He's perfect. That's how I got the inspiration. And then finally he's like, oh, yeah. Why didn't I think of that? So finally I say, okay, if we can't figure it out, dad, you should go to the genius bar. And he didn't <laughs> entirely know what this is. I'm like, he's like, no, I can do it online. And I'm like, okay, you can go to Apple support online. And he tries that. And then he texts me and he says, I've been, I've been going around in loops for an hour on Apple's website. And I can't find how to make an appointment at the Genius Bar or anything. I'm like, you could just walk in. Go in Monday morning at 9 a.m. and you walk in. So Monday morning at like 9.05 a.m., I get a text message from him <laughs> that says, like, it's a nightmare. There's 14 people in front of me here. Um, and, yeah. I'm, and I'm just like, calm down. It goes very quickly. <laughs> um, and he's like, there's people. There's two different Genius Bars and there's a line of people. Anyway, so I get the recap from him and he says he didn't realize that like you don't really have to wait in line, that they have like a system because they check you in. Yeah, there's like a whole list of names. Right, right. And I'm like, how long did it take? And he's like, six minutes. (laughs) And did they solve the problem? Yeah. What was it? The VPN. (laughs) (laughs) So the real question here is what the fuck did you need a VPN? This is like older people. They always feel like they're getting scammed. Yeah. Right? They, They don't talk to anyone on the phone. Don't like answer the phone. Don't. Whatever. So he don't give your credit card. Don't pay with the credit card. So he felt the need somehow to like install a VPN. It slows things down. And it doesn't just slow. Them. Apparently, it crippled his Wi Fi. <laughs> like our entire household. It it Thirty seven Seaview Lane ground to a halt. Well, at least he won't be hacked. out of one man's paranoia. <laughs> like Julian Assange just like descending on our home to. To steal all of our data, all of in Port Washington. It's, Port Washington is the the, the center, data capital. the center of WikiLeaks. <laughs> so, um, Dad, I love you. That was. I think you probably stepped into it this time. You probably could have solved your own problem by listening to Doug the first time. Yeah. So I'm going to say nope to VPNs. Just nobody, no, no individual human really needs a VPN unless you're like a billionaire mogul who's going to get hacked, or if you're you know using your computer for work and like your company has VPN. Yeah, but then let them do the VPN. They do you just it. log into it. No VPN. No, <laughs> no, and listen to your son-in-law if he tells oh, you. Oh yeah, the VPN. especially like right. Doug. And know. always just walk into the Genius Bar. They're really amazing. Okay, but other than that, it was a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving. Rachel, what did you eat for Thanksgiving? I mean, we had the conventional garden variety spread, but <laughs> the turkey, the turkey. Yeah. So we didn't have turkey this year. I, I basically absolved my family from having turkey because I said nobody loves turkey that much. Why don't we just make something that people really like? So my dad, yeah, made it's this third rate at like, best. It's tertiary, yeah. best, yeah. tertiary meat. My dad made this wonderful Jewish, like his grandma's recipe brisket. We had potato. Oh, kugel. delicious! It was absolutely a delight. I was very happy. Uh, with it. And it made me realize that, like, why do we even bother trying to eat all the other meat? All we really want to eat is beef. And frankly, all I ever really want to eat is a hamburger. Oh, yeah. And, right. And I it's like the finest format. It's the finest format. Mitt Romney loves hamburgers <laughs> <laughs> and steaks. Um, and last week we talked about sausages, like hot dogs in Australia, where there's like riots. Australia is ablaze. Like, right. The because a hardware Paris. store recommended <laughs> that they put onions underneath the sausage instead on a of piece on top. Of Wonder Bread. 
it on top. Well, and I said, this is crazy Australian shit. Something like this could never happen here. And sure enough, I arrive at the internet and it is happening here. There is a similar scandal going on and it's not about hot dogs or sausages. It is about my beloved hamburger. Oh my goodness. Here is never what say is. never. The, inter- <laughs> the internet. It's completely <laughs> shut down this week. <laughs> Nothing else was occurring except this hamburger scandal. And uh, there was a study, <laughs> I'll tell you about this study in a second, that said that hamburgers should be eaten upside down. Like, like when the person's upside <laughs> down or <laughs> not like, not like, like on a trapeze? Not like, not like a hanging from <laughs> anti-gravity like boots. Like <laughs> <laughs> Knowing that, there's probably going to be like studio, like Peloton studios <laughs> opening up with like anti gravity hamburger workouts. Oh, yeah, it combines two no. paleo and <laughs> right. No, this anti-gravity. is actually turning the flipping the hamburger over and eating it that way. And there's a very logical reason for that. Number one, there's a few. The top bun is like larger and spongier. It's like the round one, and the bottom one is flat. So when it's like that and it's it's larger, it soaks up the juices. So rather than running out the side. It soaks into the bun and makes it like gloopy and delicious. This is wrong. And then also there's a structural engineering reason for it is that (laughs) the thin parts on the bottom, the juices make it break. It loses like its tensile structural integrity. integrity. That's right. It's like galloping Gertie. And if you do it the other way, then the the downside of the bun isn't going to break. And then there's a culinary reason as well, is that apparently your tongue comes into contact with the toppings first. That's I don't know gross. how that works. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> At all. <laughs> At all. <laughs> this is my topic. I want to talk about. I want to talk about not talking about it. So, what what also baffled me about this is that the the article said, according to the experts, uh-huh. who are the experts? Who are these hamburger experts? Who, like who's? Is it a <laughs> team of blue field? ribbon panel of structural engineers <laughs> and like gastronomical <laughs> molecular scientists? No, it's some girl. In London, who's at a pub with two hamburgers side by side, who eats one of them right side up and one of them upside down. And she's like, oh, this one tasted better. So some drunk girl at a pub <laughs> who made a YouTube video. And now there's like people it's studying this. As, as, <laughs> yes, yes. And they went to the experts. They went to Dan Pashman, who's a great podcaster about food. He has his podcast, The Sporkful. And he he was apoplectic about this. He said, the burger. Dan Pashman. Don't he bother him with bur- these the dumb bur- inquiries. <laughs> He rolled. Can you imagine him rolling his eyes when the reporter calls him about this? Like, he goes, the burger is the star. I don't want the first thing on my tongue to be a thick piece of bread and <laughs> tomato and lettuce and onions. What is this? Subway sandwiches? And he's right. He's right. The burger cannot be improved. No, the burger is uh, – the burger can neither be created nor – what's that? It's like matter, the law of thermodynamics. The second law of burger dynamics. <laughs> Can neither be created nor destroyed. No, so eat your burger however the fuck you want. I don't even eat it with a bun, so I could like just I could put it on the fork and put the fork either way I want. Well, there's also the the spherical nature of the top bun. Like the juices will flow to the hand. Well, both sides are. Oh, you mean like it'll drain yeah. down onto your hands? Yeah. I don't know. This is more than anyone should ever talk about. Just eat your fucking hamburgers the right way. No, no, no. no shut it down. But, I no. mean, this is like a sacred American institution. That First of all, we shouldn't let the English people, the Londoners, be telling us how to eat hamburgers. Oh, certainly not. It's classic. Hamburgers and fries, right? Right. 
So, <laughs> speaking of fries, <laughs> you triggered me. Okay, so the New York Times, we can't have nice things. So the New York Times had this story this week about this professor named Eric Rim at Harvard. Oh, And he did Harvard a study about French fries, and he determined oh, the optimal number of fries that any human should eat at any one time. Uh, 30. I'm trying to picture what's on a plate with a hamburger. 30 fries. Wrong. Six Six fries. <laughs> six fries. Okay. Like, okay. <laughs> to which I say, Wait, fuck you, no, Eric Grimm. Nobody's no. ever eaten six fries ever. Either you eat no fries or 600 fries. There's no in between. <laughs> you can't do that to somebody. That's like called torture. That right? is torture. If six someone fries. gave you six fries on a plate, you'd think they were giving you. What is the basis? You... Is there no. science behind this? What is the basis of this There's, six? He just thinks Is it like the th- ratio of bites of hamburger to bites of fries? It's just that Americans eat so many potatoes and he calls them starch bombs, and the New York Times calls fries a weapon of well, dietary why is the recommendation destruction. Then just don't eat them. Just don't eat them right, at all. There's a lot of bad things for you. Just don't eat them. Don't. It's not. There's like false precision here. Don't. It's on six. It's six. It's six like the tipping point after which you start to your arteries start to clog or something. Right. You go down the slippery slope of <laughs> destruction. No, no. Don't tell me to eat six fries. No. That's an insult. No. Do you know I haven't had a French fry in many, many years for exactly this reason? It's all or nothing with me. Right. If I have one French fry, I will eat all of mine. I will eat all of yours. I will go back to the kitchen and seize them from the deep fryer. It's among the I most addictive con- of foods. I cannot control myself, and therefore I, I have a zero fry policy. So, Eric Grimm, you are not living no. in the world of reality. No. Let is, us have French fries. No French fry. <laughs> monster this is actually <laughs> forcing us to scour so those are out off now you know what else is off is romaine lettuce of course because it's trying to kill oh, us oh we can't eat salad because salad's salad. trying to kill we can't us eat avocados according to dos toros as well oh because so they're is- being run by a cartel <laughs> right, the right. medellin so, drug cartel right el chapo who lives <laughs> down the block from me in the prison um and so what's left for us there's only one f- the third major food group after hamburgers and french fries <laughs> is tuna. Of course. Canned tuna, to be more specific. Okay. Um, but there's a crisis in the canned tuna world. Um, they're trying to reboot canned tuna because canned tuna is uh, cratering as a market. Uh, in the last 30 years, consumption of canned tuna is down 42%. And who do you think the culprit is? It's the culprit for everything. It's the fucking millennials. Oh, of course. Yeah. They're, they're not eating canned tuna. They're not tuna. eating enough tuna. That's right. So there is an explanation for this. Of course, the big tuna, not big eye tuna, <laughs> like big oil, big pharma, <laughs> big. big tuna, has studied this because their livelihoods are at stake. And here's the explanation according to Andy Mex, the VP of Starkist Tuna. Um, in a country focused on convenience – Canned tuna isn't cutting isn't cutting it with consumers. Many can't be bothered to open and drain the cans or fetch utensils and dishes to eat the Wait, tuna. Canned tuna is among the most convenient foods. A lot of millennials don't even own can openers. Wait, <laughs> Wait <laughs> that so- makes sense. You can't even be bothered to get a fork. <laughs> Are you going to only eat foods that you could, like, tie your hands behind your back and put your snout in a trough? Like, what? God forbid you have to drain a can. Oh, they have, like, pop cans this now, This is too. destroying an entire industry. I know. Think of all the livelihoods that will be lost, all the tunas that will go on. Okay, millennials, if you're listening, <laughs> okay. go to Bed Bath & Beyond. Buy a can opener. Buy a can Go opener. on Amazon and buy a can opener. They're like 99 cents. We will do a YouTube tutorial. <laughs> we'll do an unboxing. 
I'm your fork. An uncanny. I'm your fork. <laughs> Forks exist in some format other than plastic in a seamless bag. You can actually you can actually buy them, wash them, and keep them in your drawer. Pro tip. Just for you, millennials. That's a hot tip. <laughs> That's a hot tip. Um, the other, there's two other problems that are uh, plaguing the canned tuna world. One is the smell, which is always a little yeah, it's bit gross. Noxious, I don't eat it. It's right? disgusting. And, th- and then there's the c word. What? Cat food. It reminds people of cat food. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So that that turns a lot of people off too. Now they are fighting back. They are trying different things, different marketing gimmicks. Um, oh, like different formats. Different formats, right? So they're trying them in the pouch. They've been doing that for a little while. The pouches aren't doing so well with the tuna, so they're expanding brand expansion into chicken pouches. As no, well. <laughs> no one wants a chicken pouch. I will tell you that right now. Save your money. Save your money call us right and. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying flavors. Uh, so there's sriracha flavor now. Nobody wants that. <laughs> <laughs> Hot buffalo chicken wing Nobody's flavor. interested in that. Ranch? No. Ranching flavor? Shut it down. No. No. Down. No. no, I can no. tell you what to do with that. No. <laughs> okay. Tuna millennials. No. Buy a fork. No. Um, we've covered so many Me Too stories. It's hard to be shocked anymore. There have been so many terrible ones. This is one that did caught, caught, uh, catch my eye. This is about the fashion line Ted Baker. Oh, yeah. Uh, very colorful had, line. Yeah. Yeah. It's a popular. Uh, CEO and founder Ray Kelvin. Uh, yeah, it's British, Kelvin. right? Yeah, it's British. That's right. 200 employees mm-hmm. signed an online petition about the uh, prevalence of forced hugging. Mm. At the company, specifically by the CEO, Ray Kelvin. How do you force hug? Okay, apparently around his desk, there is a hug zone. No. (laughs) And then anyone who comes near you is like sort of pulled into your orbits, into his orbit, and forced to (laughs) hug. Like gravitational <laughs> pull. pull. Yeah, it's like centrifugal, centripetal force. That's <laughs> it's right. Spinning. So so the the official uh, rebuttal from the company is that hugs are part of Ted Baker culture. Uh, he greets many people he meets with a hug, be it a shareholder, investor, supplier, partner, customer, or colleague. Supplier? <laughs> Here the I zipper manufacturer. My, my buttons here. Come give me a hug. But it's it's not that. They're, upon you know investigating more details, he would make employees slow dance with him at their desks to specialized playlists that he made for each one of them. And then like the employees would see him coming and they would like crawl under their desks and make an escape out the elevator. Like in Sleeping to... with the Enemy when <laughs> when he plays that classical music. <laughs> Um, and he once came up to a male employee, snuck up behind him, hugged him from behind, complimented his biceps, and kissed him on the ear and neck. So this is not just That's fe- way over the line. Um, he's an omnivorous hugger. He's <laughs> omnisexual when it comes to hugging. So here's the cr- okay. So that's terrible. It's another yet another corporate me too thing. It's ridiculous that they should have to have an online uh, petition to deal with this. But here's the even crazier thing is that uh, Ray Kelvin has an affinity for hiding his face behind shoes. <laughs> what does this have to do with the hugging? He doesn't like to be have his picture taken. And whenever anyone tries to take his picture, he holds a shoe up in front of his face. <laughs> does and he always have a shoe handy? Right, he walks with it in his pocket. And then it became a thing. And then he started holding up hats and street signs and... It's that's his thing now. Well, because he doesn't want anyone to know when he's coming to hug. <laughs> he doesn't want anyone to a, recognize you him. A shoe in front of your face. <laughs> I'm showing you a picture. <laughs> 
<laughs> having a shoe in front of your face is going to stop people from recognizing the CEO who's coming to molest you behind you? Well, maybe it's a one and done. Like he'll come over. <laughs> he only gets you once. You, you're fooled and then you never know. He has it's to like move a, on it's to like a prank else. reality show. It's a cycle through people. Well, what's that bo- undercover boss? Yes. It's like that show Undercover Boss where the undercover is a very flimsy <laughs> costume. Holding up a shoe in front of your face. No, do not buy Ted Baker. Do not use a shoe. Do not follow your employees. Do not force people to hug you. Do not force suppliers to hug you. Do not force vendors to hug you. No. Vendors. No vendor hugging. No. Shut it down. Shut it down. No. So I want to talk about another topic that we love to discuss, which is the blockchain. Oh, yeah. We're on the blockchain here. We we are. We are tethered to the blockchain. Um, There's this new magazine called Breaker Magazine. They do this long form type of journalism, and we support that. We yeah, this intrepid journalist named Lori Penny wrote an article called Four Days Lost at Sea on a Sketchy Crypto Cruise." Crypto cruise? Yes. Do you pay with it with crypto? For no, it, with crypto? it had, okay, it had no. nothing to do with I have a lot of the payments. So <laughs> it was like a conference at sea, and uh, the article was like five thousand words about this Mediterranean cruise, and by the end, you just. You feel seasick. It's, it's <laughs> disgusting. So, you need um, to cling to the blockchain yeah, so as to avoid for seasickness. For dear life. <laughs> so an editor asked Lori Penny if she wanted to go and said, you know, she like they would pay for it. So she was like, sure. And then she wound up in Barcelona a few days later and said it was the worst four days of <laughs> her life. The worst day of her life. <laughs> <laughs> she had nothing but regret. So she gets to her room on the cruise ship and discovers that Coins Bank, which is the company that organized the cruise, they left a welcome gift. Okay. And it contained painkillers, Alka-Seltzer, condoms, uh, the world's flimsiest pregnancy test, and a half bottle of Jägermeister. <laughs> Wait, is this just because anyone who's interested in cryptocurrency is inherently like a disgusting bro yeah. who's like there to party? That's, but why was it a half bottle of Jägermeister? Did someone drink the other half? That was not answered in the article. <laughs> and what is a flimsy pregnancy test? Is it like physically flimsy? Maybe it's like a Russian brand or something. <laughs> like an off-brand pregnancy <laughs> like test? Like a knockoff what pregnancy test? What is the price test? differential between a legitimate one and a flimsy one? I mean – and also, like, if, if they're giving pregnancy tests, you'd think, like, there would be a lot of women on this cruise, but, but it, was, it was mostly men. Okay. So she goes to one of the seminars, and it's this guy, Bobby Lee, who's evidently this, like, Bitcoin rock star. And he begins by shouting into the crowd, any money launderers in the room? <laughs> Come up on the stage. Let's and hear like- it for the money launderers. <laughs> <laughs> she said it was like the whole crowd was silent because they were basically all, all money launderers. like crickets. <laughs> and then there was like a women in blockchain panel that nobody attended because they were struggling <laughs> they to were get – They were all taking pregnancy tests. <laughs> taking pregnancy tests and trying to get closer to Bobby Lee. And so – and Lori Penny quotes this Russian moderator named Olga, Olga Feldmeyer and she says <laughs> – being a woman in blockchain is like riding a bicycle, except the bicycle is on fire <laughs> and everything is on fire and you are going to hell. <laughs> that is the best metaphor I've ever heard. And it makes no it's sense. Like, <laughs> it's like, what? what? So, <laughs> so, okay, so by. I think I saw that event the other day. <laughs> so she 
she says, by midnight on day three, the booze-infused insecurity was dialed up to 11. There was a pirate-themed Russian dance party on deck. There was a hallucinogenic light show. And there was, a, she said, the music sounded like a robot toddler having a tantrum in a trash bin. And models were wafting around listening to the shouted explanations of Ethereum. And then she ends by saying, let us never speak of this again. <laughs> Wait, this, this is Lori, the author, who said Lori, that. She's the, our finest living writer. She should so, get a Pulitzer for I that description. So. I think so. There's a famous, uh, I think, David Foster Wallace essay about uh, taking a cruise, a supposedly fun thing I'd never do again, right? And uh, that's like his finest work. And, okay, um, and this I is this that. Might, this might give it a run for its money. Um, well, no blockchain <laughs> cruises. This sounds like the worst thing ever. This is terrible. The, the real question is, where can I take a blockchain cruise? And what did it have to do with the blockchain? It was just basically like a conference at sea. Okay, well, they do those. Yeah. Right? But I'm just, I, I will never be able to get the the flaming bicycle out of my mind. <laughs> I know, being a woman in blockchain just sounds like... I never want to be a woman in blockchain. No. <laughs> no. Shut this down. There are a lot of weird conferences out there. Um, you remember when The New Yorker invited Steve Bannon to be on The New Yorker conference with like yeah. David Remnick? And David Remnick invited him. There was like a huge him. backlash and they had to cancel the panel and then there was a backlash to the backlash and it was a whole kerfuffle. So what do you do when you're Steve Bannon after that? You have to like top that. You you want to be a conference speaker. So you either go up what the ladder or doing? down the ladder, right? <laughs> well, he kind of went down the ladder. Um, so he is, uh, he's still being booked as a conference speaker. He was invited to be the keynote speaker to the Fourth International Congress on Love and Sex with Robots <laughs> in Montana. And who better an expert on sex with robots than Steve Bannon? Love and sex. Not just sex. It's not a casual yeah. fling. This is I not believe like grinder. This is a this is a full-on e-harmony relationship. I think he's the perfect keynote speaker for that conference. <laughs> okay. So they announced this, and of course, even among the love and sex of robots crowd, there was outrage. Attendees canceled, the sponsors canceled, he had to back out, and even despite that, they canceled the whole conference. Why didn't the organizer of this conference talk to David Remnick? <laughs> he didn't just he didn't Google who Steve Bannon <laughs> was. It was like the speakers bureau was like, I got a guy for you, it's and he's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, the quotes from the from the people who were going to participate in this were are absolutely price, priceless. So <laughs> Peter Gray, a former Boston College professor, said Bannon's alt right brand is personally odious to me, and more importantly, by association, would work against my credibility and that of the causes to which I am passionately devoted. What? So his, his concern is that <laughs> Bannon will reflect negatively on his career and his career's association with, with love and sex with robots. <laughs> That's the problem with having Steve Bannon. Here's another problem. Catherine Neal, who is a game developer, who for some reason was going to this conference, said, this is, this is, this is like inviting Ed Sheeran to keynote a microbiology conference. It's unfathomable. (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be quite charming to have Ed Sheeran speak at a microbiology conference. Or Adele at a quantum physics conference. Why Why not? Why not? (laughs) Diversity of opinion. Yeah, that's right. Whoever says that the the academia does not welcome a diversity of opinions – 
we should be championing this. We should be. <laughs> okay. Well, so, all we know is Steve Bannon definitely fucks robots. <laughs> okay. He's an expert. <laughs> well, I, I find it hard to fault Steve Bannon on this because he's an opportunist. And if this is the kind of speaking engagement, the guy's got to make a living, right? Now that his Russian associates or Ukrainian are turning, are turning on. on him. That's right. So. Um, so I'm going to say nope to the International Congress on Love and Sex with Robots. You should have thought of this ahead of time. You got what you deserve. Well, I feel like with any, even with the New Yorker conference, my opinion was the same. Like, if you invite him, own it. And if no one shows up, that is your lot in life. You you made the plan. You stick with it. They got what they deserve. Yes. Next time, invite Ed Sheeran. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Shut it down. Rachel, um, to go along with our new uh, Trumpless December, yes. we have a new feature we're going to test out. Little experiment. Yeah, it's a little experiment. So I, I feel like you and I are always weighing in here on bad business decisions, rebranding. We we're always telling opinions. people to call us. Why didn't they call us Nobody first? Ever Nobody calls calls us. us. <laughs> so Elon you know, Musk, we have a, we have a PR strategy for you. Just call just us. Just call us, and we'll tell you whether to send I've that never, tweet or not. I've never heard. I did hear from Grimes, but. He wouldn't take her advice either. <laughs> she didn't want to go on the record. So, <laughs> um, so you know, we we like to offer advice. So we decided to make it official. We're starting a new segment called Ask Nope, where oh. listeners can submit an inquiry and we can tell you what to do. How do they submit an inquiry, Rachel? So I ask innocently. You can email us at thisweekinnope at gmail.com. Wait, we got that? We did. Wow. Nobody else wanted this week at Nope? Nobody else <laughs> wanted it. No, okay. no. Um, there you go. Or you could tweet us with hashtag ask Nope. And for the first one, um, I thought we could start with a, a query from my sister, who <laughs> Why not? herself Why not? is an entrepreneur. Let's, let's <laughs> close it with your sister. <laughs> so she, um, she had a sort of personal work quandary. Uh, she lives in Berlin, and uh, she ran into this jerk that she used to work for at a party. She's currently eight months pregnant, and that's nobody's fucking business. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so anyway, she sees this guy, and he says to her, are you sure there's only one in there? Oh. Which, you know... Has odd echoes of your experience in Portugal. Right. At the panel. Which where was somewhat <laughs> worse because I wasn't pregnant and was asked if I was. But, you know, the question is, you know, what do you do in that situation? Do you say something? Do you not? And she's like me. It's always hard to know what to say when someone says something so shocking. I know. Um, I, have, I have an answer. What's your answer? It's not going to be shocking, my answer. One word. Nope. Turn around and walk away. <laughs> Turn around and walk away. Yeah, yeah. Cause she, yeah, she wanted to like go back and. No, you're always <laughs> running over in your head what I should have said, what was the most clever bon mot or, you know, rebuttal or whatever. No, no. not your problem. It is not even your problem to think of something clever to say. There's right. only one word. We live our lives by it. Nope. nope. Shut, it <laughs> Shut it down. down walk, walk away. away. That's the end of the nopes. There you go, (laughs) Stephanie. We'll send you our bill. Everybody else, please send us your nopes or your questions or Or ask nopes or whatever it is. Okay. We have time very quickly for just a couple of yups. Rachel, what's your yup? My yup goes to a TV program that was based on a podcast. It's on Bravo. It's called Dirty John. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eric Bana, right? Eric Bana and the wonderful Connie Britton. Or Breton. Breton, also known as Tammy Taylor. Um forever and it's so good they just it's on bravo it's scripted on bravo, bravo right? scripted bravo's best scripted drama to date and just they have such great chemistry and it's just really 
dark, disturbing story. Okay. I love dark yep. and disturbing. The opposite of dark and disturbing is My Yup, which is also a TV show, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, oh. despite the fact that it won 10,000 uh, Emmy Awards and it's from the geniuses who brought you Gilmore Girls. I've been talking about it and there are still people who haven't heard of it. So go back and capture, rewatch, watch, binge season one. Season two is now up on Amazon Prime. Uh, I'm not even going to tell you what it's about. We'll, you should know what it's about. We'll link to it in the show notes. Link to it in the show notes. Please go watch it. This has been a terrible week. We're trying to not talk about Donald Trump. I thought it would feel better if we didn't. I just talked about him right there. Um, but it didn't feel any better. It just no. feels differently bad. It's Yeah, it's everything's terrible. But we're going tomorrow to immerse ourselves in the art world. Yes, in so the hopefully world of fashion will... and celebrity. We're going to Art Basel in Miami, both of us, the Nope Cousins, together. <laughs> and hopefully we will find some inspiration and delight to bring back next week because things really are terrible. not have gotten any worse. Okay, yeah. no. Maybe there's what we talked about food a lot. Maybe there'll be some better food there. Yes, at least I hope that. so. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. In a terrible week, wonderful podcast. Please, if you enjoy this podcast, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, shout it from the rooftops. Uh, yeah, send us an email. <laughs> send us an email, ask us a question, let us know you're out there somewhere. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. This has been This Week in Nope. The podcast where we shut it down. Wanna be my new friend? We got a lot.